The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. If Jesus were to ask you, do you love me? What would your response be? Well, he asked Simon Peter three times, do you love me? And today we may get to that, but in John chapter 21, uh, we have the last chapter in the gospel of John. And again, it is just a great chapter and it is a, again, building on relationships. If you hadn't got anything else out of the study of the gospel of John, I just want to tell you how important relationships are. There's 11 conversations that Jesus has with individuals and groups. There are seven times he said, I am, to let them know who he was and they could know him. And he does seven miracles that are recorded in John. John records that. And he is dealing with who he is, revealing himself to people. I hope he's revealed himself to you. Well, Alex, again, I... I uh, I have a hard time saying what book have I enjoyed the most these last 10, nearly and a half years working with you and saying, uh, which one's my favorite? I want to just tell you, I'd have a hard time not saying, man, this has been an awesome study in the book Gospel of John. Amen. The Gospel of John. Well, we often, when people come to the Lord and, and maybe they're new to the Bible, we'll often encourage new believers to read the Gospel of John. 21 chapters, you can easily read it in uh, two weeks or three weeks, you know, just taking a few minutes a day. But um, this is certainly one of our favorites. And, uh, you know, um, when you and I started doing Exploring the Word a decade ago, you and I both had spent majority of our adult lives reading the Word of God and studying. But I want to tell you, with every passing uh, show and every study into the books of the Bible, my love for the Word of God and just, I think, my appreciation for it and what an amazing, miraculous book the Bible is. It's just grown and grown. Would you that's been the case with you, I'm sure, as well. It is, Alex, and I, I am amazed. And uh uh, and what amazes me the most is here a scripture like John that I've I, I went through my uh, files today on the Gospel of John. I have more sermons uh, outlines on the Gospel of John than any other book, even Psalms or Genesis that is much longer. John and I here it is. I'm studying it, and I God reveals things to me that I had not seen before after studying it again and again and again. That's the power of the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit using our experiences in our lives to show himself to us. And so we're praying that those who have listened, uh, that God has just demonstrated his presence in their life, and with that comes along with his power. So Alex, in chapter 21, he says in verse 1, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. In this way he showed himself, Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Now, Catching nothing at one night, I think I've heard about that before over in Luke chapter 5. They fished all night and caught nothing. Uh, yeah. Seems like God uses these experiences of disappointment to show himself to us. Would you say that as well? Amen. Amen. Well, you know, so often in the Gospels, the Sea of Galilee, or in this case, in John 21, 1, it's called the Sea of Tiberias. I mean, this has been a very focal locality for so much of the Gospels. And just to give you a little little background, um, this is uh, about 13 miles long, 7 miles wide, 148 feet deep. I mean, this is a formidable body of water, isn't it? And it's we commonly know it as the Sea of Galilee, although one of the Roman Caesars wanted it named for himself, Tiberius. Uh, and so uh, they're there. I, I think it's interesting that even though Jesus has risen 
and uh, they've seen the empty tomb and Christ has appeared, they're still fishing. It, you know, uh, it, isn't that something? Now, Peter's going to preach at Pentecost, and, um, you know, the, the Great Commission is going to be uh, initiated, but they haven't forgotten how to do hard work, have they? They have not. Now, I read two or three commentaries about them going fishing. Was it yeah. something casual, or was they op- saying, we're going to go back to being fishers of fish rather than fishers of men? We do not know. You cannot You're give right. that. We're right. going to have to wait to find out. So when we open the call lines, uh, that's not a question we can answer. I can just tell you that right now. Yeah, exactly. But we know they were fishing, and that was familiar. I want to do. I do want to say this: when we're disappointed with the Lord and we're not going on, we have a tendency to go back to that which is familiar. And uh, I've seen it so many times, people that had an issue with alcohol, and they they were delivered. They came out of it. They were going their way. But one or two or three or four disappointments real close together, they tend to go back to that which is familiar. So let Mm -hmm. me give a warning to all of those who are listening. Be careful with that. Be careful about those difficult times in place of going back to the familiar Unless God was the one that was familiar with you, stay with God. And again, yeah. I'm not saying they did that, but that is one of the possibilities, Alex. Yeah, that that's right. That's right. And that's why the time to prepare for a, a struggle is in the good times. Like, you know, John F. Kennedy was attributed to have said the time to repair the roof is while the sun is shining. Yeah. Right. But um, because, look, you know, there there are mountaintops, but there are also valleys. And you're right, Bert. Um, in a time of two or three disappointments in succession, people very oftentimes will relapse into some uh, sinful habit or, or at, at best, destructive habit. And so build up your, your tank of faith and obedience in the good times. But I just think it's, it's really something um, that uh, in verse 4, when the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And he, he calls out, he says, children, have ye any meat? They answered and said, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. And so Peter, Peter, he realizes it's Jesus and he dives in and swims to shore. Bert, I, I, can't you picture uh, Jesus is on the bank and he, you know, he has to shout, Hey, you know, have you caught anything? <laughs> That's what you always do. If you come up on somebody who's fishing, invariably you'll you'll say even to a stranger, "Hey, have you caught anything?" And so he shouts out, "Hey, why don't you try to put your net on the right side of the boat?" Um, I wonder if any of them suspected at that point that it was Jesus. But when they saw that miraculous. A haul of fish, they knew it was him, didn't they? They did. And notice John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, noticed it first. And he said to Peter, and again, I made this comment yesterday, and I, I think it's significant. Peter doesn't stay in the boat. He jumps out and swims to shore to meet Jesus first. You could not help but remember when Jesus came walking on the water in the midst of a storm, and G- and Peter saw him, said, can I come? And Jesus says, come, and he got out of the boat. I, I, le- I love Peter. He was willing to get out of the boat. Yes, and sometimes it caused some frustration, some difficulty, but Alex, he was willing to get out of the boat. He, you remember what again. he said? Yeah, again, you remember what it said in Luke chapter 5 when they caught the fish? They, nevertheless, they launched out into the deep. Sometimes right. you got to go to the other side. Sometimes you got to launch out into the deep. I heard one preacher tell me one time, he said, uh, if you see a fruit tree, you know where the fruit is? And I said, where? And they said, out on the limb. So if you're going yeah. to gather fruit, sometimes you got to go out on the limb. Well, that that's very true. That is very true. And so uh, let me say, if you have uh, tried something for the Lord, uh, and it I'm not going to say it failed, but maybe it didn't produce what you thought. Maybe you tried to do an outreach program, and the results weren't as much as you had hoped. Or maybe you uh, have tried to teach a Sunday school class or share the gospel, and maybe you feel like it didn't um, you know, yield fruit. 
keep on. My friend Lee Strobel, Lee Strobel said in ministry, and my goodness, with the book The Case for Christ, he's been very, very successful, and he has spoken for us in our conferences, I don't know, two dozen times at least. But Lee Strobel said, if you don't fail once in a while, you're not trying enough things. Yeah. Now, if you're discouraged, uh, keep on keeping on. Don't quit. For the believer, I mean, we have the the eternal gospel. Jude says it's the faith once delivered. We have the Holy Spirit of God. We have prayer. I just don't think quitting is ever justified for a believer. Do you, Bert? It is not. It is not justified. You do trust the Lord. You try again. You was talking about uh, trying again. One of my heroes was Coach John Wooden. I loved basketball, oh played it in love, high school. Love that guy. He was. John Wooden was an amazing man. He uh, Reading about him, he never got on to one of his players for trying something new in the game. He never did. He said, hey, that's how it's developed. And so, yeah, God may lay something on your heart that, well, nobody else is doing that. Well, uh, you may want to go to your pastor but if your pastor says, you know, since God laid it on your heart, let's do that together. And uh, if God lays something on your heart, I doubt if he wants you to be excluded from it, Alex. Uh, hmm. It may not be all on your own, and you may not be the only person that does that. As he has done that for those who are listening. But he wants you involved. He's given you the vision. And uh, listen, one of the main—we've talked about pastors and and churches ask me, what are you looking for in a pastor? I said, you want to feed the flock of God. That's what we get later on in the John. You want to be an example, but you also want somebody that's a visionary. Look out into the fields that are white to harvest. Be a visionary. And so getting out of the boat, the, jumping into the water the way Peter did, I would call him a visionary. You know, he was Amen. willing to do it, wasn't he? Well, he really, really was. And, uh, you know, there, there's um, something very fascinating here. I'm going to read on ahead. I know we've got a break coming up. By the way, if you're just tuning in, this is Exploring the Word. We're in John 21. Um, so Peter swims to shore, and uh, the other disciples came in a little boat, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. Uh They've caught a lot of fish. Fascinating, fascinating lesson that we're going to draw some things from when we come back. We'll take this brief break, and Bert and I will continue in John 21, plus your calls and questions on today's edition of Exploring the Word. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Samuel Alito, Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Justice Alito has a legal career dating back to 1977. Isaiah 61.8 reminds us of the importance of justice. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Justice Samuel Alito as he serves on the Supreme Court. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Satan is a defeated enemy, but that doesn't mean he isn't powerful and dangerous. That's why Dr. Tony Evans says it takes spiritual authority to beat him. He'll explain how we can get it as we spend two minutes with Tony. Satan, we are told, is the prince of this world order. John 12 31 lets us know that he's in charge, and the reason he's in charge is because our friend, our father Adam, turned our world over to the evil one. That led to the angelic conflict that was operating in history past to become part of time as man would know it. The problem is that we're caught in this battle. We're caught in it in our families. We're caught in it when we have to face the reality of sickness and yet God still holds out this promise that man will rule. The question on the floor is where will we find the authority 
to wage spiritual warfare victoriously? That's the question of authority. The author of Hebrews says God has introduced another person to the equation, and we see Jesus. It is your ability to see Jesus and to understand what you see that will introduce you to authority you never knew possible. If you could only see Jesus, you would see someone who has already won the battle for you. It is our inability to see Jesus that has limited our authority in the realm of spiritual warfare. Learn more about how to protect yourself and your family in Dr. Evans' book called Warfare. It'll show you how to live in the spiritual victory Christ died to give you. Request a copy today when you visit TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 2 Corinthians 5.1 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus conquered the grave. Don't you love the lyrics to that song? He did. And it says he is Savior, mighty, mighty to save. And we just want to say as we resume our look at John chapter 21, Jesus loves you. Do you know that? Jesus really, really loves you. You matter to the Lord Jesus Christ. Bert, isn't that just one of the greatest realizations? Because life, life can be tough. Please believe this, folks. You matter to God. That's wonderful, isn't it, Bert? It is. When I hear you say that, that it, I don't care who you are, where you are. The moment that you were conceived, you mattered to God, and you Amen. still do. And uh, that's why we fight for life. That's why we do it at AFA yes. and AFR. That's why we're saying and the older you get, uh, the wisdom that you have and, and all the things that goes with aging, for those of you who are listening uh, you're valuable to God, and uh, he, you know, we weren't worth a lot, but we were worth saving. That's, <laughs> you know, uh, wow. we're worth wow. a lot to God. We not, may not be worthy, but we're yeah. worth a lot to God, and I praise mm. God for that. Well, in John 21, uh, Christ is risen, and they have a miraculous catch of fish, and so they go to the shore, and um, so there's there's... As I read this, there's two boats involved. There's, you know, Peter and John are in one boat getting fish, and the other disciples came, the King James says, in a little ship, a a boat, um, and they were not far from land. Now, when they get to the land, Jesus has already built a, a fire and is cooking fish. This is amazing. And Jesus said to them, bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, 153, and for all there were so many, yet was the net not broken. All right, Jesus said, come and dine. Now, Bert, I'm just going to be honest with you. This southern boy is glad (laughs) that in a resurrected body, uh, not only can food be ingested, but Jesus so often he invites people to a, a meal and a banquet. Aren't you glad eating is part of God's equation? It is. There's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, it's going to be in heaven. Eating is great fellowship. The whole Bible is about relationships and then fellowship. We come into relationship with him through Christ. We have this fellowship with him, and we talk about it with a father and with a son and with one another. And, and the food is... And sharing of the food is great fellowship, one with another. Matter of fact, a lot of people have an eating place uh, in their church buildings. They call it a fellowship hall. Uh, this Amen. is where we gather together, and food is usually involved. Now, Alex, I do want to say this. Notice what it says here. The net was not broken. 
sounds a little bit different than the time that uh, Jesus told him to go out into the launch out in the deep because he said, throw out your nets, and they threw out mm. a net. And so obeying the Lord specifically uh, is, is so important. Now, again, he doesn't throw you out. He doesn't uh, do away with you. But when you, we, as a follower of Christ, as a person does that, he does not throw that person away. He still works mm. with them. But here it says the net was not broken. Now, uh, you can spiritualize this, and you, uh, you're you the one that you says, I, this may be a little bit much. This may be a little bit much for me. Before the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the net broke. But after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the net did not break. Now, again, I, yeah. I, I don't know if that's what it goes, but it sure does sound good. Amen. <laughs> well, it does. And you know what? Um, you mentioned Luke 5, uh, 6, you know, the, the miraculous catch of fishes. And it's, you remember Peter had said, we've worked all night, never caught anything. Nevertheless, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. I love the way the King James renders Luke 5, verse 6, and their net break. Uh, but here, you're right, the net doesn't break. Now, I want to say something that's just really uh, special to me. Uh, there's twice in Luke 24, um, Luke 24, 42, um, Jesus has cooked fish, and they eat fi- broiled fish and honeycomb. And I keep meaning, I want to try that. It must be good together, because, you know, when when the Lord Jesus plans the menu, you know it's going to be great. <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, in John 21, verse 12, Jesus says, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and take bread and gives them and fish likewise. Now, Bert, I thank God that my mom and dad taught us, Caroline, my sister, and I, uh, we always say the blessing, and I'm I'm not trying to be legalistic, but I mean we pretty much don't have a stick of gum without at least giving thanks. Now here's the thing, folks: we always return thanks before we eat a meal. One day you're going to be at a banquet table, and you can look the Lord Jesus in the eye and say thank you for this food. Isn't that something? I mean, uh, right there they ate with. Jesus, and you won't have to bow your head to say the blessing. You can tell the Lord right to his face, thank you for this meal. Amen. And, and listen, it is a testimony. Uh, you know, when we, Norman Rockwell, one of, I love his paintings. I got a book that a, a gentleman gave me. His name was Spurgeon Hall. Still remember him. He was in church here at Cupolo and just was a blessing to me, but he had a book of all the Norman Rockwell paintings. And I have it, and the one that I like the most is here's this mom with her child, and they're in a restaurant with all these men, rugged-looking men gathered around, and they receive their food, and they're asking the blessing, and all of those men are looking on with broken faces. Some are taking their caps off. Others are bowing their head. Uh, I just want to tell you, uh, not in a boastful way, not in a proud way, but bowing your head, if you don't say it aloud, bowing your head and saying, Lord, thank you, uh, it's, a, it's a tool for witnessing, it's a Alex. Witness. It really is. And, yeah. and, and we're not trying to be showy or anything like that or like a Pharisee, but it is a witness, and it's appropriate because, you know, the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, says, give us this day our daily bread. And look, every breath of oxygen— uh, health and life, uh, another day, and yes, the food on the table, it's all a gift from the Lord, isn't it? It is. And notice, it says in 14, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. You remember the first one? It was the 10. The second one, he did it with the 11 and Thomas there, and now this one. And this is seven of them at least when you count this, that he makes himself known. And James and John are two of those that are with there, with them there. But Jesus showed himself to his disciples. Now listen to that word. He purposefully. This is a, a, a word that has the idea of purpose. Uh, it, he has a purpose in that. I want to put that into our minds right now, Alex. God is a purposeful God. 
We read that the last few verses in John chapter 20. It says, I've written these signs, and he did them, that you may know who Jesus Christ is. When you come to the end of chapter 21, it says he did many other things, and and he did it to show himself to his disciples. So he does that for us too. He gives us purpose, and he lets us experience some things on purpose. And I, I love it. It is purposeful. And if you feel like you have lost your purpose of being, come to Christ. Make sure you're saved. If you're lost today, make sure you're saved as a listener. And you can call this number to help find help. It's 1-800-NEED-HIM. 1-800-NEED-HIM. There's some people there that would love to talk with you and share with you how you can know him. And then after you know him, Alex, he gives Mm. you great purpose for living that, oh my goodness! Yes, you know that the glory of God could be seen in and through us, and so yes. uh, I, I don't know of any higher purpose, brother. Oh, as as it says, to know Him and make Him known. Uh, that it, that's what life is all about. It, it really is. Now, in fifteen and following, um, every time I read this, it reminds me of a of a hymn we used to sing when I was growing up. I haven't heard this in years. There, there's an old hymn by a guy named Cecil. Alexander, called Jesus Calls Us, or the Tumult of Our Life's Wild Restless Sea. You remember that? I do. There's a, yeah. there's a line that says, Still he calls in cares and pleasures, Christian, love me more than these. So he says to Peter, they, they had dined, this is verse 15, Jesus says to Simon Peter, son of Jonas, uh, Lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Now, what these... Uh, the other disciples, fishing, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe he was asking uh, the food, this region, this land, the fishing that you love to do. But he says, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yea, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus says to Peter, well, feed my lambs. He says to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith to him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith, feed my sheep. And then he says a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, do you love me? And Peter says, and Bert, maybe there's a little frustration in his voice. Uh, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Uh, so I believe Jesus is getting, trying to get a point across, really impress on Peter and those around, hey, if you really love me, you're going to follow the call I've put on your life, which is to feed the lambs and feed the sheep. Alex, this is great scripture. And let me say this, more than these, when God leaves out specifics in the scriptures, he does it on purpose. You know, we do not know what Paul's thorn in the flesh is because no matter what it was, God's grace was sufficient. And if he had told us exactly what it was, we'd say, well, it's not, it's not mine, so his grace is not sufficient. Do you love me more than these? We do not know if it's the fish, the disciples, or the food. We do not know. But that's the question still. Am I number one in your life? Do you love yeah. me? Am I, am I the one? Now, the words in the Greek in love, there's a play on it. Jesus says, do you agape me? And he does, I said, I phileo love you. And at the end, the last time he says it, Jesus brings it down to phileo. Do you, you have that brotherly love for me? So we do need to examine ourselves and see where we are with God. Do we really love him? Is he number one in, in our lives? Those of you who are listening right now, examine yourself to make sure you're in the faith. Then if you're in the faith, make sure that Christ is number one in your life that he is first. Now, Alex, what you do there, and I, I show this on one of the, uh, you know, conferences that Jan and I do, uh, you, most of us list our priorities, one, two, three, four. We've, you know, we list it vertically. We'll say God, uh, family, or wife, you know, we'll list it. Honestly, let me just say this, in place of listing them vertically, list those things you do horizontally and put God as number one over every one of those. 
That's mm. the way life is lived. We don't live life vertically. We live it horizontally as we go through life. God should be number one in your family life. God should be number one in your work life. God should right. be number one in your leisure time. So there, sometimes we think, oh, if God's number one, after I spend my time with God in the morning, okay, I've checked that off. Now I can live my life. No, God goes with you. So loving him means he is a part and head of all things. Amen. Well, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus, quote, in all things having preeminence, and really he needs to be that in, in all of our life. Uh, like you say, not only love uh, the agape sense, um, but the phileo. And Bert, the the catechism, if, if you're part of a church that you memorize the catechism, the first thing, you know, what is the chief end of man, or the, the teleos, the purpose? To, and it says to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And let me say that, um, you know, certainly most everybody listening, I hope you believe in God. I hope you personally know the Lord Jesus. Uh, but it's good to enjoy God. Yeah. I mean, to, you know, I mean, I'm thankful, and I, I don't mean to digress from John 21, but I am glad that the universe was created by and is run by an eternal, all-powerful God. You know, I, Bert, I'm just going to say this, and this might sound odd, I like who God is. <laughs> you know, I am glad that our Savior, His mercies are new every morning. And I'm glad that He is a God who not only saves us, but you know what, folks? Uh, God cares about who you are as a person, your personality. And um, the things that, that you have an interest in, not sinful things, obviously, but, um, you know, Psalm 37, 4, commit your way to the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, I, uh, I, I know firsthand that God not only supplies our needs, but when you subordinate your life to Jesus, he'll, he'll let you realize your dreams. <laughs> he will. He, he will. He'll throw some extras your way. And yes. uh, when he does, it is an amazing thing to watch God do some amazing things. And I hear people say, well, he's not done it for me. Uh, it's, you know what, Alex? I think it's because we don't look for it when, it, when he uh, gives it to us. I think we miss it. That I was going to say, look for the blessings because yes. they are there. They really are there, aren't they? They are there. Hey, we're going to take phone calls. Alex and I love to do that. So here's the number that you can call, 888 888- 589-8840, 888-589-8840. We would love to hear your Bible question. Uh, we're ready and we're anxious for God to show himself to you in your life. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. Ever wanted to take a tour of somewhere you've always desired to see, but you didn't want to work at putting the whole thing together? Well, guess what? Problem solved. If you've been wanting to go to our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., but you don't want to have to map out everything and plan everything, we've got it all solved for you. Our spiritual heritage tours, all you got to do is show up and get on the bus and have a smile on your face. That's all you got to do. And the rest is taken care of in June and September. We'll see our nation's capital together. Believers and listeners from all over the country, 
The website for the dates, the cost, and everything you need to know about these two trips in June and September is spiritualheritagetours.com. Spiritualheritagetours.com. We also go to Colonial Williamsburg and Jamestown in September. Spiritualheritagetours.com. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Psalm 46 is a popular psalm as it includes the text, Be still and know that I am God. This was the conclusion to a psalm that previously observed, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. This described what looked like the end of the world. Nevertheless, the psalmist remained unshaken. He refused to allow present difficulty to cause him to forget God's past faithfulness. Virus or no virus, God is our refuge and strength. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You're my defender. You fight for me. I will remember. You're all I need. You are my healer. My remedy. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert, so glad you're listening today. It's Wednesday. Hey, it's a good day to go to church. If your church has a Wednesday night service, or maybe there's a church in your community that has Wednesday night, uh, be in church. Uh, That'll uh, do a lot for your life, and you'll grow in the Lord. But our number is 888-589-8840, and we're going to go to phone calls. If you have a Bible question, today's a good day to call in, 888-589-8840. And, uh, Bert, where should we go first? Let's go to Texas and talk to Stephen. Stephen, thank you for calling back. Yes, sir. How are y'all doing today? We're doing well. We're Ooh. thankful that you would call us back, brother. Fill us in on where you're at now, man. Well, I'm still on this side of the grass. Amen. Well, amen. <laughs> Praise God. That Honestly, Stephen, I don't mean to be anything but that's grace when we're still alive you know that's great god's grace but what how can we pray for you let us know because we're interested in it man i I, actually i really want to thank y'all for your ministry i mean i was in a really dark place yesterday Mm. well well i want to say i am a little bit but you're you're a blessing to us, and we feel privileged that you would uh, listen to the show and call in and and uh, be encouraged uh, because the Lord is with you, Stephen. Yeah, stuff y'all been talking about today has really been hitting home. I don't know if that had something to do with yesterday or not, but yeah. Well, I want what God does, Stephen. He knows where we are, and He knows what we need and at if when we stay with him i want to tell you he reveals things uh most of the time it's not observed it's revealed but it's revealed on time and i I, this is a poor illustration but believe it or not i majored in math the first two years of my college but guess what i did not take calculus in the first grade i had to learn to add one plus one is two and then as I progressed, I found out, oh, wow, look what you can do with these numbers. And so in following God, he reveals himself step by step. As you walk in the light, as he is in the light, he reveals himself. So, Stephen, listen, where, where you are in that dark place where you were, step into the light, and he reveals himself. He'll reveal his love and purpose for you. And I I just want to tell you three key words, and I want you to major on them. Love, purpose, and hope. Life, listen, he he loves you, and he has purpose for you, and he gives us hope when we know him. So, Stephen, uh, let me tell you, you had a lot of folks praying for you. I can tell you that right now. I I believe that, but it's just like 
everything's gotten really quiet. Yeah. Well, brother, and let me encourage you, uh, if you can, and uh, I know it's late in the afternoon probably, but um, there's just something about, look, obey God in the small things, and I'm not saying that going to church is a small thing. If you can find a church and go to church tonight, I know Wednesday night very often is prayer meeting, but just, um, it's almost like priming the pump. Bert, I, I know that we're not saved by works, and the blessing of God is not uh, contingent on performance. But I, I think in our actions, our heart, and our behavior, we need to show God that we're serious and that, that we're serious about following Him. And Stephen, it, I know it will encourage you if you can get in church and uh, even here on Wednesday night, if you could. Stephen, I want you to stay online even after you're gone, and Robert will be there. We want Stephen's address. We want to send you a book. Alex and I wrote a book, and uh, 100 Questions and Answers. And if I have your address, we can send you a copy of that. And it's not a treat it like a devotional. I, I mean, this is what a lot of folks have done with it. And because we have so many questions, and, and devotions are really, Lord, what do you want me to do? And there's purpose in that. So if we can get your address, I want to send that book to you. And so, Robert, to get that for you. So, Stephen, we want to pray for you before before we go, okay? Father, okay, but I, go I, ahead. I would, I would like to add something. Go ahead, man. Because I know you got many listeners, and I know I'm not the only one that feels like this. Yeah. If yep. you are feeling like this, please, please reach out. Because I've seen the other side of this stuff, and you have no idea what devastation it leaves in his wake. Yeah. Amen. Please reach out. Amen. Say Stephen. something. Amen. Call somebody. Stephen, thank you, man. I I, I want to tell you, pastoring let, uh, for just about. 50 years total. That's how long I've been at this. I've seen a lot of people at the point where you were, and they did not reach out, and it is devastating to them and everyone else. Thank you for reaching out to us, and we're going to bombard heaven right now. All of those who are listening, join me and Alex as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for Stephen reaching out. He he did what he's telling others they need to do when they're feeling like they're on the lowest rung of the ladder, and some of them even feel like they're under the ladder. <laughs> and, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you yeah. would deliver them from those destructive thoughts and they would look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of faith, that we would put our trust in you, O God, that we would not look to the left or to the right, but we would set our face as a flint toward you and yeah. thank you for Stephen and father may he grow in you may he be encouraged as he has encouraged others today I, I yeah. found out father one of the greatest ways to to become uh digging your way out of the pit that we find ourselves in is get our mind on others and praying for them and that's what Stephen has done so mm. father thank you in Jesus name amen Thank amen. you, Stephen. Don't hang up. Let Robert get that address. Praise God. Amen. Alex, amen, brother. Uh, it's, it's great ministry. We feel so privileged to talk with people across America like Stephen. And um, now, where to? Our next We're going to stay in Texas. Paul, welcome to Exploring the Word. Paul, are you there? Hello, yes. Y yes, go right ahead, uh, man. Well, first thing, y'all threw me off because what y'all just did was beautiful. Okay. Thank you very much. But lighten things up just a little bit, I guess, here is the concept that Jesus just triggered me thinking here. Ask Peter three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Okay, and the, my point, though, is about the threes. Yeah. What about holy, 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 Amen. for example? Or 
when I, I was saved when I was 14, and as I was reached my 20s, I started studying the Scripture thoroughly. There's an old boy named R.C. Sproul. You probably know who he is. <laughs> yes, we do. Okay. Uh, you got and a big so amen for me, brother. one time about biblical understanding and translation, okay? And he pointed out a passage, I've never forgot this, in Psalms where he was talking about people falling into a pit, okay? But he said, R.C. Sproul said, the real language says that it is actually a pit, pit, pit. Okay. <laughs> I got Three you. times. Yeah. So let's don't fall into the pit, huh? Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> the three times also, you remember Peter denied him three times. And uh, the three is significant. Listen, I don't believe every number in the Bible has a biblical hidden message, but there's some. One, two, three, seven, twelve, forty, five hundred. I just want to tell you, uh, did I say, yeah, I said twelve. They're significant in so many ways in threes it. Paul, uh, that Alex, that's good. Pit, pit, pit. RC Stroll, I would say, I, I've got to look that one up, man. That's good. Yeah. Wow. Well, where do we go next, Bert? Okay, we're going to Kansas. Welcome, Douglas. Hey guys, uh, appreciate you taking my call. Uh, Trying to explain this. Okay, so when we become Christians, um, our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Um, and then another part, another verse says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and forgive us our sins." So is that if for when we become Christians, or is that if to restore us to relationship with God? Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you, Douglas. This is found in First John. Matter of fact, you're just talking about Bible study. This is what I'm doing tonight at Bible study at Auburn Baptist Church here in Northeast Mississippi. We're starting in First John, and if you look at that, uh, Alex and Douglas, you'll find five ifs starting in verse six, and before it gets to the verse nine, where it says, "If we confess," in verse eight, it says, "If we say that we have no sin." We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And and there's not a but there, and in a way, there is a conjunction there. It's unspoken. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Confession means to agree with God, not just uttering it, not just saying, oh, God, I have sinned. It is agreeing with God and then proclaiming it, Alex. That word confess has the idea of identifying with God. Go ahead, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And and I would say, you know, uh, the First John 1, 9 that does say, if we confess our sins, I really think that's about fellowship rather than sonship. You know, uh, we know that when you put your faith in Christ, the Bible says we're born again. And we often say this, folks, it's kind of a theological word, but positionally we are in Christ, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. And so the First John 1, 9 that says, if we confess our sins, Bert, I know we often use First John 1, 9 in evangelism, but I really think it's more of a discipleship verse. I agree. When you look at First John, notice what it says here. And I, uh, those of you that are listening at Auburn doesn't mean you can't come tonight because I'm doing this, but it says, notice uh-huh. what he's talking about. He says, our fellowship, verses 1 through 3 and 4 is about fellowship and joy. This whole idea here of chapter 1 is fellowship with God. In other words, our fellowship is broken when we don't confess our sins. It's on our part. God has forgiven us. Yes, the, the cross, past, present, future sins, yes, they are forgiven. But we are coming along and doing what? Agreeing with God about the sin that we've just done. And so we agree with him. And guess what happens when we do that? The joy and fellowship continue or remain in our lives alex amen thank you amen thank you douglas that helps let's go to texas and talk to josiah josiah welcome hi there uh how are you doing today doing well man welcome all right this is my first time calling in i'm a little bit starstruck now uh my wife is catholic i'm saved i attend a catholic church because uh she is and our pastor gave a lesson about the uh 
catching of the 153 fish. Pastor shared the significance of that figure is that if it were 153 unique fish, it would be all of the known types of fish at the time. This might have been the first hint to Peter to go reach out to all the Gentiles of the world. However, it would not be another 10 years, and I believe it was Acts chapter 3, when they, uh, the angels set the banquet before uh, before Peter, that, that he gets a second symbolic message to read out to the Gentiles. Why might he not have picked up on it the first time, but he did the second time? Alex, I'll let you go first on this one, because I've already said about the numbers. I, I don't read everything into them, so I'm not a good one to answer that, Josiah. Alex, you go ahead, man. Um, well, first of all, thanks for listening, and thanks for calling. You know, um, I, I don't know if that's all the different—I'm uh, the. not going to say breeds of fishes or types of fishes. I, I don't know. I think it's very interesting that we read about um, 5,000 people were fed with loaves and fishes. Um, you know, it's been said that these fish— if each one weighed two and a half to three pounds, I mean, you know, we're talking about 750 plus pounds of fish. Um, I, I don't know that we can draw a, a clear, distinct meaning out of that number 153, but I know this much. This is post-resurrection, a miraculous uh, catch of fishes. And Bert, uh, it's like God's abundant, abundant blessing and anointing on what they were doing. And that abundant anointing can be on our ministry to go and to be fishers of men. I agree with you fully. Now, you need to look at how chapter 21 starts. Simon Peter says, I am going fishing. And the others joined him. Now, what Jesus brings them back, he lets them catch that fish. He does. But then what does he do? He says he turns from fishing to shepherding. Yeah, <laughs> you know the shepherd of the sheep, and he says, "I've called you as shepherds, under shepherds." So we we want to make sure in our lives, in our calling, that we're fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. Uh, and it, it's nothing wrong with being a fisherman. You know, uh, that's great. We got a lot of guys. I'm proud they go out and they get the fish and bring them back. But when God's calling is you on your life. For a primary purpose, you want to follow that and fulfill that purpose. And that's what Jesus was bringing Simon Peter back to, Alex. Amen. Well, uh, I know there's other calls holding. I'm sorry we didn't get to everybody, but we will certainly try. Now, tomorrow we're going to wrap up John 21, and we'll probably have an extra segment of calls tomorrow. But I what think, do you think so. about that? I think yeah. so. So we're, we're going to look at it. We're going to try to get through in the first segment and then in the second two. Uh, we'll have, we, we call it Thunder Thursday, you know, yeah. when we get to answer our phones a lot on Thursdays, you know. That, that's a precursor to Fireway Friday. That's exactly folks, right. We want to say thank you for listening to Exploring the Word, and we encourage you in your Bible study and your walk and witness for the Lord. Keep your radio, your computer, your mobile device tuned to the American Family Radio Network. Tell somebody about the show, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.